Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to Dirt Radio, a program about grassroots activism run by Friends of the Earth on 3CR. I'm Claude, a volunteer at Friends of the Earth, and we're broadcasting from beautiful Wurundjeri country in Collingwood, Victoria. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Thank you, Claude. And I'm Dr. Jay Iwasaki, an ecologist and volunteer at Friends of the Earth. On today's show, we'll be talking to Sana Deswat and Dr. Jim Green from the Friends of the Earth Nuclear Free Collective about the community campaign to stop a nuclear waste dump from happening in Kimba, South Australia, and a little bit about the background of the nuclear free campaign. Able-bodied Australia does not realise that people with disabilities across the board are being discriminated against. Then the government to demand that we go out and get a job without removing the disincentives like the lack of access to transport and community infrastructure, without providing accessible buildings that can provide barrier-free employment. I'm not getting a fair go and I don't like it and I'm saying so. You're listening to 3CR, 8.55 on the AM dial. You're back with Dirt Radio on 3CR. I'm Jay in the studio with Claude, and we have nuclear-free campaigners Sana Swat and Dr. Jim Green with us. Sana was on the show a couple of weeks ago and gave us an introduction to the community campaign to stop a nuclear waste dump from happening in Kimba. South Australia. Sana, could you give us a brief rehash from the last time you were on the show? Um, yeah, I guess like in the 50 years that um, well, Melbourne has been around, it really, one of the first campaigns was around uranium and, and the nuclear industry in Australia. So um, I guess what I talked about was how, how the n- nuclear industry really affects Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders in a very disproportionate way, is that it's often the uranium mines and the waste dumps are on Aboriginal land, and um, that we have a long history of walking together with uh, First Nations people fighting the effects and um, and the projects that are proposed on their land, really. Great. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, uh, and... Leading from there, um, would you? What are the current? What's the current situation? I know there's some uh, court cases and appeals in progress in South Australia. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking maybe it's an idea to like because there's there's I think the government has been trying to or different governments have been trying to um, impose a nuclear waste dump on uh, people for the last more than twenty years. And I was wondering if Jim, who has been with Friends of the Earth 20 years this year as well, which is a bit of an accomplishment, um, could tell a bit about that history because each of those um, battles have been won. Yeah, absolutely. Congratulations on that, Jim, Jim as well. <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, yeah, well, it's a, it's a long history, as Sana mentioned. I guess the first time... A federal government was trying to impose a dump on Aboriginal land. It was in the Howard government era, in starting in the late 1990s, and they picked land at Woomera in South Australia, and they did everything they could to impose a dump, despite the 
near unanimous opposition of uh, traditional owners, the Kukatha, the Bangla and others. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it was disgraceful. I can go into details, but I best not at the moment because otherwise I'll be talking forever. <laughs> anyway, that plan was defeated uh, in a campaign led by the Cooper Pedy Kunga Tudor. Then the government picked uh, the Muckety area of the Northern Territory and most of the traditional owners were opposed and the government didn't care and pushed on anyway. But once again, that was defeated. And with both Woomera and Muckety, uh, the campaign was led by traditional owners. It ended up in the courts and the government, uh, the respective governments gave up because of that combination of a legal challenge and, and strong community campaigns. Then there was a plan for a, nucle a national nuclear waste dump in the Flinders Ranges. That was defeated. Plan for South Australia to become the world's nuclear waste dump, and that was defeated once again with a campaign led by traditional owners. Uh, and now we've got this plan for a, a national nuclear waste dump in Kimber. And um, as Sana mentioned, that's strongly opposed by the traditional owners and... Uh, so that's the campaign we're fighting now, and we've got others looming as well because of uh, the plan for nuclear submarines, which will generate high-level nuclear waste, and the government's uh, moving fairly quickly to establish a site for that high-level nuclear waste, and on the basis of past precedents, we can assume they will pick on Aboriginal land and that they will ignore the opposition of traditional owners. So... We've won all the battles so far, but that certainly doesn't mean that we'll win the battles in the future. So we've got a lot of work to do. Right. So what is? do you know roughly what the current status of um, the legal challenges for the Kimba site are? Yeah, uh, it's a challenge in the federal court and the Bangala traditional owners are seeking to have the declaration of the Kimba waste dump site annulled. Uh, and we are expecting a decision in the federal court, possibly in August, give or take a month or two, and uh, it's expected that whichever way that court decision goes, it will be challenged, so that will go to the full bench of the federal court, so that should drag it on into next year. Uh, so at the moment, the federal Labor government is in this uncomfortable position of supporting an Indigenous voice to Parliament while they are ignoring the unanimous opposition of the Bangala traditional owners to this planned national nuclear waste dump near Kimba. Right, and I think in in the recent history, while the South Australia Labour Party was in opposition, they had even um, supported traditional owners having the right to a veto. Um, now that they're in government, but as a state government, uh, do you have any insight onto how that position may have changed or whether or not there's any real power to that statement? Yeah, well, uh, you're right. They, when uh, Labor was in opposition in South Australia, they supported a right of veto, and they still have that position. They never mention it. And they never put any pressure on the federal Labor government to back off this plan for a nuclear waste dump at Kimber. So it's fairly shallow opposition. Uh, so we'll just have to see how that plays out. Um, meanwhile, we've got a pro-nuclear Labor premier here in South Australia, Peter Malinowskis, who's 
somewhat supportive of nuclear power and while a number of other states have said that they won't need the disposal site for high-level nuclear waste from nuclear submarines, the South Australian Premier has said that South Australia would would be willing to entertain a, a high-level nuclear waste dump. So, yeah, it's all pretty disappointing. On paper, the mm. South Australian Labor government here in South Australia has got a good policy which respects traditional owners and gives them a right of veto, but it doesn't mean much in reality, especially since it's a, it's a federal issue, of course. So one of the ways the state government can uh, tuck out of this issue is just to say it's a federal process and they don't have any power. Right, that makes sense. Yeah, and Sana, I think, as you mentioned in the last, um, the last show, that the previous Conservative um, government had the opportunity to support nuclear power plants in Australia, but only now are pushing or advocating for their construction. Uh, I think, yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They had nine years to, to put this all in place, and they didn't. They actively didn't go for, for nuclear power. And as soon as they got out of government, they brought it up again. And it's really just an expression of a culture war and a way to wedge the, um, the, the current efforts towards like renewable energies. So nuclear power, the, the same people that are at, at the moment trying to repeal the ban on nuclear power are the same people at the Matt Canavans and, and the, his mates who are um, really championing the fossil fuel industry. And really nuclear power would mean another 20 years or 15 years at least of status quo as business as usual because these um, nuclear power plants don't come about very quickly if they happen at all so it's it's really just a way to um make sure that the the fossil fuel industry gets another decade or two of um of life which is insane and like Mm. of course as as always it's the the traditional owners on the land where the the projects are happening where the uranium comes from and where in the end the the nuclear waste will end up that are biting the brunt of this, as well as the, the, the local farmers, for example. So it's, it's the Bangala traditional owners who are fighting dumping Kimba at the moment, but also the, the local um, Kimba farmers are strongly, the majority are strongly opposed because um, it will affect their ability. It's really a wheat-growing area. It will affect their ability to grow healthy um, uh, wheat, wheat for a lot lot of that area. Mm. I just have one one quick question or lead in from there before we go to a short break. Um, as as you were saying, yeah, it takes a long time to build a new nuclear plant and now um, solar panels and uh, wind power are much cheaper and quicker to get up and running. Um, would the current coal industry, I guess, be somehow tasked with building those plants or is there um, is that similar kind of infrastructure and expertise and mining uh, experience that they're kind of leaning on to uh, subsidize potential nuclear industry? Well, we don't. There is no nuclear engineering expertise at all in Australia. So now with the um, proposed um, AUKUS deal and and the, the ambition to build nuclear submarines. Um, they are opening university courses for nuclear engineers, which is problematic 
as well, because if um, if the submarines ever get built, which is still very much the, the question, we we will like turn out thousands of new nuclear engineers that will that will like have an argument to say that there's no industry for us. So that will um, fire up the argument for a nuclear industry. I think um, Jim can probably more talk about the technicalities of nuclear power and what, what that would need. Yeah, um, well, there's some talk about siting nuclear reactors where coal-fired power plants are currently located, so they've got a workforce there. They would need retraining, of course, but there is a workforce in the community around those power stations, and, of course, there's transmission infrastructure and all sorts of other technical and social infrastructures. So superficially, that makes sense, but one reason that wouldn't work is that Nuclear power is the thirstiest of the energy sources. A single nuclear reactor consumes anywhere between 35 million litres of water per day and 65 million litres of water per day. And some of these coal-fired power regions are already water-stressed, whether it's the Latrobe Valley in Victoria or the Hunter in New South Wales. They're already water-stressed because of the coal-fired power plants and the coal coal mine and uh, to impose an even thirstier energy source on it just wouldn't work so I don't think that's terribly practical but I would get back to the point that Sana made earlier is that the coal industry is all on board for this push for nuclear power because they know there's no reality to it they know it's a distraction from the transition to a renewable energy powered economy and uh, an Australian economist called Professor John Quiggan puts it very neatly. He notes that support for nuclear power is support for coal. And in a recent article, he said that nuclear power is the latest manifestation of climate denialism. It gives the far right of the coalition and the whole of the coalition political parties uh, some, a fig leaf of cover. They're pretending to be concerned about uh, climate change when... They're promoting non-existent and impractical nuclear solutions, which in effect means a continuation of the, of the fossil fuel industries. Mm, right. Really well said. Um, we'll come back to you guys after just a short break. Sure. Hi, I'm Robbie Thorpe. Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison radio series where we share the mic with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander men and women in Victoria's prisons. Uh, we are such a huge representation in prison all over Australia. Statistically, it has to stop, and it's gonna, not going to stop while you're building more beds in a prison. It's a Band-Aid. What about beds outside? Tune in to 3CR during NAIDOC week at 11am each day from Monday the 3rd to Friday the 7th of July. We'll take you inside six Victorian prisons. Dame Phyllis Frost Centre, Barwon Prison, Fulham Correctional Centre, Loddon Prison, Marguerite Correctional Centre and Port Phillip Prison. To hear stories, songs, opinions and poems from the men and women inside while connecting with culture and community. The shows will be live on 3CR 855 on your AM dial, 3CR Digital and streaming via our website or the Community Radio Plus app. For more information, head to our website, 3cr.org.au backslash beyond the bars.
And we're back on with Sana and Jim from Nuclear Free Australia Movement. Um, hi, guys. Uh, we were just discussing the potential nuclear submarines and the high-level waste storage that um, may be required. Is there any um, timeline on the decision-making for that potential site? Yes, they are. They're moving pretty quickly on that, surprisingly quickly, because the general pattern in Australia is uh, one government handles the problem to the next government and they handle it to the next government. It's a problem that they just kick the can down the road, but there seems to be some political imperative to move this along fairly quickly uh, just so that the submarine program isn't jeopardised so that we can purchase uh, US submarines and then begin to build our own so there's going to be a, a, a significant paper out early next year uh, outlining the process for managing high-level nuclear waste. And I think the siting process will also begin next year, if indeed it hasn't already begun. But they want to move fairly quickly. And as I mentioned earlier, three states have already said they're not going to host a dump for high-level nuclear waste. Uh, but South mm -hmm. Australia is uh, tentatively putting its hand up so we'll have to see how that goes. But on past experience, you'd have to think that South Australia will be the likely candidate. And, uh, you know, I don't know how that will play out, but South Australia has already defeated countless proposals for nuclear waste dumps. I mentioned them earlier, the plan for a dump at Woomera, plan for a dump in the Flinders Ranges, plan for an international nuclear waste dump. Uh, you know, we've beaten every challenge that's been thrown at us so far always with campaigns that have been led by traditional owners. Uh, so we have to keep fighting, but uh, it's not at all straightforward. It's very difficult when you've got bipartisan support for nuclear submarines and the waste produced by nuclear submarines. Uh, we've only got one mass circulation newspaper in South Australia, and that's a Murdoch tabloid. Uh, and also it's a military project. So, mm. you know, that hardens the resolve of the politicians and it makes it that much more difficult to defeat. Right. So we've got some pretty spectacular <laughs> challenges ahead of us. Thank you. Yeah, and um, just on the decision-making uh, process, Sana, I a quick question about um, what, what would you like to see as far as the consensus building or decision-making process to include... Um, everybody that uh, needs to be involved in that conversation. Do you have anything to um, just speak about what the proper consensus building determination would be? Well, I think I think the government should um, take take serious the the vote to to say no uh, or the 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 right to veto. And um, people should, should sit around the table and, and really have a voice. And it's really a shame that the government is spending, at the moment the federal government is spending millions and millions on lawyers to fight the Bangala traditional owners to have, have a voice. They, their voice was actively excluded from the community ballot about the nuclear waste dump in Kimba. And they are fighting that at the moment while at the same time saying that they, they want to listen to Aboriginal voices. So people need to be heard and seriously listened to. I think that's one of the main things I can think of. Absolutely. And how can our um, listeners get more involved and support the latest um, nuclear-free movement 
uh, news and activities? Great. Yeah, go on to the website, so um, melbourne.fo/nuclear, um, and sign up to our newsletter and join at our meeting. So we've got a, a in-person meeting every third Wednesday of the week from six to eight. It's drop-in. We do actions. We're planning um, things that are coming up. And then once a month, we've got an online meeting for people if they want to join that on the first Wednesday of the month. But definitely sign up and, and get in touch because we, we really need to grow this movement. AUKUS is going to be a big battle and we're going to need everyone on board. Great. Yeah, thank you so much for all your hard work and all the years you put into this. Um, we look forward to hearing uh, you, you um, update us on the coming... Uh, challenges we're all going to have to face and um, updates about what's happening in the movement. Yeah, that would be my pleasure. Great, thank you. And okay. Thanks, Jim, as well. And over thank to you. you, Claude. So you've been tuning into Dirt Radio on 3CR with Claude Galois and Jay Iwasaki from Friends of the Earth. We've been speaking to Sana DeSwart and Dr. Jim Green from the Nuclear Free Campa- Campaign. Also wanted to do a shout out to everyone who helped donate to our Radiothon. We made our target of $1,200 and we couldn't do it without you. Thanks for helping to keep Radical Voices on the airwaves. If you missed any of the show, you can listen back on the 3CR website. And we will leave you with a song called I've Lied by Archie Roach. Sitting here in a lonely old guest house I'm sure that my life is all through Let's start what we have come to the room to do And watching 